great. So um, if you've got a Bible, let's uh, quickly turn to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. And uh, we're going to look... We're going to look at verses 38 to 44. Before I do that, I'm going to shake this jar. Hopefully that won't be too distracting for you. We're going to come back to that later, okay? Luke 4, 38 to 44, it's entitled, Jesus Heals Many. After leaving the synagogue that day, Jesus went to Simon's home, where he found Simon's mother-in-law very sick with a high fever. Please heal her, everyone begged. Standing at her bedside, Jesus rebuked the fever and it left her. And she got up at once and prepared a meal for them. As the sun went down that evening, people throughout the village brought sick family members to Jesus. No matter what their diseases were, the touch of his hand healed every single one. Many were possessed by demons, and the demons came out at his command, shouting, you are the son of God. But because they knew he was the Messiah, he rebuked them and refused them to speak. Early the next morning, Jesus went out to an isolated place. The crowds searched for him everywhere. And when they finally found him, they begged him not to leave them. But he replied, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God in other towns too because that is why I was sent. So he continued to travel around, preaching in synagogues throughout Judea. Well, this morning we continue our series on the secret place. The secret place. How often, how do we stop uh, ourselves from being drained, worn out, and tired because the reality of the day-to-day life is that we will all suffer at some point exhaustion if we're out of balance. We know that answer to our physical health. Eat well, get a good night's sleep, learn to say no, invest in your health through exercise and cut down on the things, perhaps the habits that harm our bodies. But let's not forget that we are created whole beings, not just physical beings. We are spiritual beings too, and we must care for our inner self too, body, soul, mind and spirit. This is where the importance of the secret place comes in. Let's face it, there will always be more to do, more demands, more tasks, more things to tick off your list. And Jesus was no different. The Bible says he was just like us. Just in this short chapter that we've just read in Luke, at the start of Jesus' ministry, having returned from 40 days in the desert, 
the place of testing. It is full on. It's all systems go for Jesus. You know, it's in this short chapter, we we're told that Jesus returns from the desert. You know what we covered last week, this 40 days, 40 nights in the desert fasting. He returns from that place in the power of the Holy Spirit. He is equipped for the work that he's to do. He returns to his hometown, Nazareth. Uh, and on, on, the Sunday, on the Saturday, on the Sabbath, he goes into the synagogue and begins to teach. And it's the place where uh, the, the, role of the scroll of Isaiah is unrolled. And he, he finds that passage that says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to heal the sick, to bind up the broken. You know, you know the verse. And uh, it's in that place where he's rejected in his hometown, the place where he had his kind of carpenter shop with his dad. It's, he's rejected there they don't want him there he's an offense to them and what they do is they they take him they try to throw him off the cliff to kill him in his hometown so having returned from that place of testing to start his ministry they want to kill him there's almost enough to deal with there isn't there we could stop there and go how do you deal with that people trying to take your life and then the following Sabbath, he's in the synagogue again teaching and he casts out a demon within somebody. You know, this is tough spiritual warfare that Jesus is involved in. A lot going on. You can imagine in the synagogue people muttering and asking questions and being amazed and wondering what's going on. And all this uh, is probably affecting Jesus's inner being and then after that busy day in the synagogue where people have got healed and demons have come out of people Jesus then goes back to Simon's house probably for lunch and it's full systems go again can you imagine the, the baggage Jesus might have been carrying following not only the rejection and the attempt to kill him but also the the, the, the fact that he's straight into ministry. You know, he, he's been a carpenter. He's been used to planing and sawing and cutting and suddenly he's launched into a people ministry of, of, of declaring God to people, of preaching and, and, and healing and casting out evil spirits. And then he goes to Simon's house. You'd think it would be a place of retreat a place where he could get a little bit of rest, put his feet up for a bit. And straight away, they're begging him, can you, can you do it again? Can you heal the mother-in-law? And he does. He doesn't refuse, does he? It seems like he is keen to help, so he takes her by the hand and rebukes this fever and it leaves her and, and you, you, we, we kind of know don't we it is immediate because of her actions she gets up she gets in the kitchen and she starts preparing food isn't that an amazing fantastic healing it's just wonderful to read it in that way but can you just take yourself for a moment into Simon's house and you've 
you've been to the synagogue and a mother-in-law's been, been poorly and suddenly she's well and the, the kitchen's vibrant and everybody's asking the question, who is this guy? Is he the Messiah? Is he the Son of God? Surely he is. Look at what's going on. And you can begin to imagine the buzz and the conversations and the, the awkward stares that are going on in Simon's house. And Jesus is having to absorb all of this emotion, all of this tense time following what's gone on. You can imagine the laughter and the joy and the stories that are being told. And as the sun begins to set, Jesus, you would hope, having had something to eat, could maybe just get a bit of rest but no once again the sun's going down dusk arrives and so does all kinds of other demands the sick those with ailments those perhaps disabled those with uh, who are influenced by uh, the demonic and so following a busy day of people Jesus is now giving out to people and providing healing and deliverance ministry, it's Simon's place. We're not told what time he finished, but it may have well gone on well into the night, into the evening, and at some point somebody made the decision to close the door. We've had enough. <laughs> Go home. And they all settled down for the night. So a busy day for Jesus. And you think, how on earth did he get any sleep that night with all the stuff that's perhaps swirling round his mind, all the thoughts and the, 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 the questions of the day? Did I do everything right? Did I, did I do enough? Is, is there more to do? Should I have done things differently? Do, do you ever feel like that? All this stuff that's just sort of swirling around in your life it's it's like this jar isn't it with all this this soil that's just swirling around all the time especially when we go to bed at night we've had a busy day we've been doing lots of stuff you can imagine Jesus feeling the same all this swirl going round very hard to switch off and unwind and to go to sleep after a day like that you either collapse in bed exhausted or lay awake with your mind spinning and churning over the events of the day and imagining what, it will, what you're likely to face in the morning. You ever feel like that? I know I do. Just look, it's, some of it has settled, hasn't it? But there's still lots, you probably can't see it that far away, but there's still lots swirling around in the jar. Still lots of bits. It's almost the thoughts of the day just churning away, sloshing around in our heads, in our hearts. And tomorrow, having hopefully got a bit of sleep, Jesus would start all over again. News was spreading fast. What was he likely to face the next day? And so no wonder, no wonder verse 42 says this. Early the next morning, Jesus went out to an isolated place. That's the New Living Translation. Early the next morning, Jesus went out 
to an isolated place. The King James Version says this, and when it was day, he departed and went into a desert place. And the NIV says this, at daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. Isolated, desert, solitary is the Greek word. The, the Greek word here is eremeos or the eremos, the eremos. And it's the same word we used last week for the word wilderness. Wilderness, isolated, desert, solitary place. It's the place to get away, to escape, to be by yourself. Now, if we think of all that Jesus had been through already and what was to come, no wonder he needed space alone. You know, there's been a lot of activity at Simon's house. It was only going to be the same the next day, wasn't it? Everyone was going to be talking about the night before. And would he do it again? Who else is going to turn up at the door? What other, what other things are in store? And so for Jesus, he knows that. And so what does he do? Just before the sun's coming up, he leaves the house. He's not going to be disturbed by the sound of the kettle going on. He's not going to be disturbed by somebody coming in or going out or somebody singing in the kitchen. He deliberately separates himself from other people. I mean, Simon's house is in, it's still actually there. If you, if you Google it, uh, Simon Peter's house in Capernaum, it's still there. Uh, they actually built a synagogue on top of it. But you can see the actual location of Simon's house. It's still there and it's right by the sea. Uh, beautiful looking place. And you think, oh, if I was Jesus, I'd probably just leave Simon's house and just go for a walk along the beach, along the seashore, just taking the day. But Jesus goes into the desert place. You think, well, perhaps by the seaside or by the, uh, by the lake, there will be fishermen coming in after a night's fishing. And he could probably easily bump into them, couldn't he? And so he chooses to go into the desert. And you can, if, you, if you Google it on Google Earth, you'll see the landscape. Obviously, it's not an ancient landscape, although most of it's there. But you'll see the type of environment that Jesus was heading out into time to be alone he understands his own personal need for time alone for solitude this is not uh, going to be an extended time like the 40 days in the wilderness this is perhaps how he started every day just to escape to get to a secret place where he could be alone with the Father, where there's no distractions, there's no demands, there's no interruptions or tasks to be done. It is literally just time alone with the Father, a time to be still, a time to be silent, to not have to talk to anybody, to not have to listen to anybody's ramblings or thoughts, but just to be still and alone. Precious time to ready himself for the day ahead and to tune into the Father's voice, perhaps to receive encouragement or guidance and perhaps just to know himself. I was meditating on this psalm uh, in the quiet place at the way on Wednesday, Psalm 62 verses 1 and 2. It says this, my soul finds rest 
in God alone. My salvation comes from him. He is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. I'm just going to read that again. Just for, and I'd encourage you just to look it up in the week, just to meditate, to be still, to be just using these, these verses just to speak to your heart. My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. He is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress, my safe place. I will never be shaken. We were singing this morning about not being shaken. You know, we can be stirred, can't we? We can be stirred, but not shaken. If we're dependent on our rock, if we know that God is our fortress, he is our salvation. Many of us would say things like, I'm too busy to make time for myself. I can't do it. I can't sit still. I need to be productive. Well, I'm just going to share just a few things. These are scientific, uh, the scientific benefits of solitude. All right. Now, this isn't from the scriptures. This is scientifically proven. Um, but it says this one, spending time alone helps you to develop more compassion for people who do not fit into your inner circle. Spending time alone helps you to develop more compassion for people who do not fit into your inner circle. Studies show being surrounded by people kills productivity. People perform better when they have a little privacy. And basically what they're talking about there is when you have open plan offices with lots of people in, uh, you're less productive. Yes, it's good to be in community. It's great to have uh, time with other people, but actually it's good to withdraw and to have time alone. You're far more productive. You actually get to think about what you're supposed to be doing. Number three, being alone with your thoughts gives your brain a chance to wander, which can help you become more creative. Being alone with your thoughts gives your brain a chance to wander, which can help you become more creative. People who enjoy, this has a flip side, I know. Number four, people who enjoy alone time experience less depression. Well, I know people who can feel isolated or be alone can also feel depressed. So that's why it's important to have this balance of being in community, but also having time to withdraw by yourself. It says that generally people who have time alone, who enjoy time alone, suffer from less depression. Number five, when you carve out some solitude in your schedule, you show your children that being alone is a healthy thing to do. And research shows kids who learn to be by themselves, here's the good news, are better behaved than other children. But it says be a good role model and teach solitary skills early. It's not bad, is it, to, have, to let your children just have a bit of time on their own? Our girls, they, they head up to their bedrooms about seven, quarter past seven, just have a bit of time on their own, read their books, uh, paint nail varnish on the carpet. Uh, <laughs> just to have time and space on their own. You know, kids are bombarded, aren't they, at school every day and demands and TV and internet. And actually, it's just good for them to unwind and to be still on their own. 
Solitude is very different from, uh, sorry, this is a quote from Henry Nguyen. It says, solitude is very different from a time out from our busy lives. Solitude is the very ground from which community grows. Whenever we pray alone, study, read or write or simply spend quiet time away from the places where we interact with each other directly, we are potentially opened up for deeper intimacy with each other. There's something good about being alone. To not have to give an account to anybody else. I don't know about you, but I, I sometimes need what I call shed time or bloke time. I just need to get away from it all. And often I'll just go for a walk. I might find a pub and have a beer on my own without having to talk to anybody else. And then I'll walk back and that's it. You know, that's a bit of bloke time. It's in the garden just tinkering tinkering with the tomatoes or cleaning my trowel or something like you know it's, there's just good time to be alone and I find that in that alone time God speaks well God's always speaking it's just that my ears are open when I'm not distracted by all the other things that are around me I need to be finishing because we're nearly done here's another quote from Th Thomas Edison it says the best thinking is, has been done in solitude the best thinking has been done in solitude. The worst thinking has been done in turmoil. I bet we get that, don't we? We understand that. That when, when you're spinning plates and you just don't know way which to turn, that's not a good time to think. That's not a good time to make decisions. When you're churned up and you're, you're stressed and you're busy, that's not a good time to make decisions. Make decisions when you've thought about them properly when you've been still, when your soul has been quieted, when you've made God your resting place. Let's take a moment to look at the jar. Now, I don't know if you can see it, I don't want to shake it too much now, but just in the, what, 20 minutes, roughly, that I've been talking, it's, well, again, it's, be it's begun to settle. Stuff has fallen to the bottom. There's a little bit on top, but generally, most of the stuff has settled and that that's almost a picture of what happens when we retreat to the quiet place all the stuff that's swirling in our lives just begins to settle peace begins to reign the fog begins to clear when we've had time to be still and to be alone yes there are a few things to deal with but it's easier to deal with the few things that rise to the surface than try to deal with everything at once. Yeah? So this week, let me just encourage, as I finish, let me just encourage you just to take some time. It doesn't have to be a long time. It can be any time of the day that you, you, that's best for you. If you're not a morning person, then maybe do it in the afternoon. But take some time to be alone, to be still before God, to quieten your soul, to bring before God the stuff that's swirling around in your life. Because if, if, if the science is right, 
and I'm sure it is, that we will be far more productive, we will be far more creative, we will be far more peaceful, we will be far more uh, troubled or far less troubled than we perhaps are if we just keep going, keep going, keep going. Let's take time to stop. Let's learn from Jesus who, who, who was perhaps way busier than we ever will be. That if he needed the time to get up and to retreat, to be alone, to be quiet, to be still, then surely we do too. Let's, let's pray. Let's just take a moment to be still before God. Lord, it's so difficult at times to even to sit still, to be quiet, to not even think about all the stuff that we face on a day-to-day -day basis. But Lord, help us to realise the importance of quietness, of less or, or no activity to be still before you and to tune into you lord help us in our busyness to carve out moments where we can enter into the secret place the place where we meet you the place where we don't have to minister to other people place where we can just receive, where we can be still, where we can be still and know that you are God, a place where our, our soul can find rest, where we can trust you, Lord, where we can listen to your voice, where we can be refreshed where we can be equipped and prepared to face the things that we need to face, the things we need to deal with. And Lord, we may have to uh, change our habits, change our ways, deal with a mindset. I pray, Holy Spirit, you would give us the courage and the ability to do that. And help us, Lord, to see the benefits Help us to be people who are uh, able to get jobs finished or to think of new ways of doing things or uh, to find a way where there doesn't seem to be a way simply because we've spent time alone with you. I want to pray for peace over troubled souls, Lord. So often uh, we can carry around stress when actually we don't need to. We can lay it at your feet. Thank you that you, God, of, can provide the peace that passes all understanding. Uh, we just want to pray for that peace now, for brothers and sisters, Lord, in the room. Whatever they're facing, whatever trials they're going through, whatever circumstances that surround them, Lord, may they know your closeness as they retreat to a solitary place to spend time with you. In Jesus' name, amen.